Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through. Because being boss is hard. Blending work and life is messy. Making a dream job of your own isn't easy. But getting paid for it, becoming known for it, and finding purpose in it is so doable. If you do the work. Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs from Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Welcome to episode 20 with our guest, Shalene Johnson. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Hi, Shalene. Hi, girls. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. I love your hair. Are those knots? Oh my gosh. So I have dreads. Oh, cute. Yeah, I have dreads. And then I figure no one can those ever be ever. mad at me whenever I have them in my little like mini mouse ear buns. For sure. Yeah. For sure. You do that's look a, like mini mouse. Right? That's a so good if you're tactic. listening, if you're listening to this episode, you have to check out our YouTube video if you want to see my hair. Mahar. <laughs> I guess Mahar. there's a really good plug for people to check out your YouTube channel because now they're going to be dying to see this hair. Right. Yeah. It's mini All right. Well, cute. Shaleen, we're so excited to be chatting with you today. I want to tell our audience a little bit about you. Um, so you all might recognize Shaleen as the fitness celebrity behind TurboFire or Pio, which Emily was a TurboFire fan and I was doing Pio right after I had my baby. Um, so Shaleen also has two podcasts. She has The Shaleen Show and Build Your Tribe. Um, you may have seen them in the top charts on iTunes if you're looking um, around there. Shalene is also a New York Times bestselling author, a motivational speaker, and is the CEO, total boss of her <laughs> business and lifestyle coaching company, Team Johnson. Um, so Shalene, you're a total boss. You are <laughs> so wildly successful. And one of the things I want to talk about today is like, it's really easy to look at you and think like, oh, well, that's for her and not for me. Like she's this superstar. But like, I really want to, I, I want you to share your journey and what you've experienced along the way. I want to hear about the path that you took to lead to where you are sure. now. But, yeah. um, and if there were specifically like any pivotal moments where you really leveled up. Um, and by that, I mean like just those, those moments that you can say, yes, that was a moment where things changed and where I started to, to rocket fuel, like launch into yeah. the success that you've had. Um, so yeah, just like, tell so us. I, I would say that the, the, when you say that to level up, like for, for me, that almost gives me anxiety because when, <laughs> when things really like, uh, became good for me, like when I started coming closer to what I feel is success is when I leveled down. Oh, say more about Ooh. that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had to stop chasing and stop thinking like oh, this, this is the new, this is going to be it. And, oh, I should say yes to this and to this and to this and to this. And, and, um, I think when, so, so I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with the word level, like just me personally, com yeah. comfortable with the word level up just because I'm a reformed workaholic. And so I've had to figure out like why I was that way, why I couldn't delegate, why I held on to those excuses, which are the excuses everybody uses. Like, well, it's quicker if I just figure this out myself. And well, I'm saving us money if I learn how to do this first. And, and well, I need to do it because no one will do it like I do it. Or I can't show anyone else how to do it because nobody else gets it, you know? And I used to use all those excuses too, which frankly, I now realize were, um, were excuses I was using to be comfortable in my addiction to work, mm. you know, and my addiction to a pat on the back. Like that's what a lot of it came from. And so, 
So when things started to, what I would not refer to as level up, but when things started to get really, really good in all areas is when I started saying no. And when I started, when I did therapy to figure out like, why do I feel like I can't stop? You know, and to figure out, like, wh- what does that come from? Because I thought it was just like a badge of honor. Like, I'm a workaholic, yo. Can you give me your therapist number? <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's Piage. rewind a little bit. Like, let's start then from, like, did it start with the fitness videos? Like, you were- It started at birth. No. You know, okay. it, here, here's one. Here, I'll tell you specifically when it started because I figured it out in therapy. My parents, my dad was an entrepreneur. And, um, we grew up, you know, poor, but I didn't know it, like always struggling. Cause he's always like doing something new. And there was a period of time when he was a liquidator and he, they took all of their savings and bought this huge chain of department stores, liquidated them. And they bought them in a bankruptcy court in, you know, it's a business bankruptcy court in Detroit. And it was very, very cutthroat. So they took all of their money and they bought all of these assets and they housed them in a warehouse and just a few, I don't know, weeks or however long after they acquired them, a competitor burnt everything down to the ground. And I was, I don't know, like maybe sixth grade. And Do you mean literally burnt it down? Yep, burnt it down to the ground. There was a fire and it wasn't insured. Oh, it wasn't insured. And my parents were, my dad was a great communicator. So it's funny how the things we say to our children intended to be helpful. You just never know how they're going to end up in therapy one day, like, you know, <laughs> point of view. so anyways, my dad brought me uh, into his office and I, I just can't forget because this is the day that, um, and he said, I had a, I had a savings account because he was always helping me start businesses and earn money, good things. And in, in an effort to continue to teach me about money, he sat me down in a big leather chair in his office and he pulled out my little blue bank statement and he said, and he didn't have to have this conversation with me. It was supposed to be a teaching moment, but he said, you know, your mother and I had this fire and, and we're going to be fine. Um, and we're going to borrow the money you have in your account and here's what interest looks like and, and we're going to pay you back. So when it seems completely innocent. I don't know that I wouldn't have done that. It was a teaching moment, but... In my young age, at in that moment, my brain said, you are valuable if you can make money for people. You are valuable because you can earn. And from that day forward, I never asked for lunch money or money for clothes or for anything. I just said, get to work. Like in my own head, I started working when, when I was like 14 and paid for my own college and paid for every, like literally lunch. Like it, it was lunch was a dollar ten. And I wouldn't ask for lunch money because I'm like, this makes me valuable. And, um, and that's where it started. I didn't realize that until I went to therapy. I thought I was, I was raised by an entrepreneur. I just have incredible work ethic and you're just jealous, you know? <laughs> right. And, 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 and uh, so I just went, I just was always very, very proud of that. I was always, I, it gave me, it still to this day gives me great confidence to know I don't ever have to worry because I'll solve a problem. And in that process, I'll be able to provide, but I don't need to continue to chase it. I don't need to keep going and going and going. I don't need to be number one. I don't need to have more. I just need to have enough, just enough to take care of my family and in order to have peace. And so, you know, I got put myself through college by starting a business. I owned uh, a business called the all Michigan auto swap meet. 
and uh, I, I flipped cars. Oh, wow. I know. Right. And, and then I, uh, you know, I did everything you can imagine. Like I was studying to go to law school and taking the LSAT and working as a paralegal and starting a personal training business and a fitness business and, and, uh, working in an MLM selling knives door to door for Cutco. Like I was always like, go, 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 go. Right. And, um, so that just kept continuing. I kept having people, I kept having success, but it never felt like enough. It always felt like this was going to be the last time and I, I better keep looking for the next thing and I better never break. And, um, and so the business that really took off was our certification business. We developed a program called Turbo Kick and I started teaching fitness instructors randomly because like fitness wasn't even my degree. My degree is in justice, morality and constitutional democracy. And, <laughs> and, uh, but I, I developed this program. I'm like, this, this is going to solve problems for people who want to teach fitness classes. And it's a pain in the butt, uh, to teach fitness classes. So if I do this, it'll, it could create some income and it did. And it took off. And before long, my husband and I were, uh, you know, we, we had our, our program in, I don't know, like 40 or 50 different countries. And we had like a hundred thousand instructors teaching it. And we started an apparel company and then we started doing motivational camps. And then, and then we started getting the attention of infomercial companies. And, and so then we started doing infomercials and, um, and that's when, while I was at the top is when I hit my bottom. Ooh. That's the only way I could say it, you know? So what did that feel like? I mean, was it just, it's confusing. Yeah. I would say it's confusing because um, it, it, it got there because I just refused. I thought my, our success is because I do everything. Our success is because I'm the only one who knows how to write the emails and it's my voice. And, and then our success is because I'm the one who learned how to edit all the music. Like what? I edited <laughs> all the music. Like I learned how to do sound forge and I learned how to like, why, why do I think I have to do all these things? And I just, so everyone was trying to, to help me. But I, at the time I thought I really did believe no one else could do it as well as me. Since then I realized I just want, my motivation wasn't so altruistic. My motivation was that I, I wanted credit for it. Mm. It, it would kill me if I heard someone else go, Oh, that mix is so good. If I couldn't say, Oh yeah, well <laughs> I did it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, that's truthfully like what it boiled down to. And and I just had to be honest and go, like, why do I need credit? Like, why? You know, I need peace. And so, so the, when I say it was confusing, it was that I had no history of giving things to other people and having it turn out well because I'd just never done it. And if I did it, I never allowed someone to do something long enough to get good at it, right. number one. And number two is I just kept adding on and adding on and adding on. And, and, and yes, opportunities were coming our way, but I didn't know how to, to differentiate between um, what was good and not so good. You know what I mean? And, and I, I just couldn't say no, but yet I was also doing a lot of, um, deception with myself. Like I did all of this from home. So I could say, Oh, I'm a, I'm a stay at home mom. Who's completely a lunatic. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Who's not present. Who's, you know, just a maniac, uh, and who doesn't sleep. And so who, were you, I'm curious about this, maybe because it's the phase of life that I'm in right now with a 15 month old baby boy. Um, how old are your children now? Now they're 15 and 18. 15 and 18. Yeah. So whenever you were, you know, staying at home with them, which I put in quotes, um, 
and, and working at the same time, a lot of the creatives that listen to this show, they're doing the same thing. They're work from home moms. Yeah. And so really like you didn't have a babysitter or a nanny or daycare. No. And I honestly would try not to work when they were awake. And um, my husband and I were both together. One of us, you know, okay. like one of us had to be involved with them. And so that, you know, because I had that, that, that was a really strong driving priority to me was to be present for my kids. And so I would be as much as possible unless I yeah. just couldn't. But so that meant the sacrifice was sleep. So a lot of times I would work through the night. Like I would, there were years I operated on like two and three hours of sleep. Oh no. Yeah. And, and, or, you know, like the second they went down for a nap, it was like, go, 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 go. So that's, you know, it's just a very stressful situation to put yourself in. And I began to resent my husband if he would like sit down. <laughs> right. How dare he without a list, you know? I'm like, rude, get up, you know? <laughs> but, um, all right. So, Shailene, what are you, what are you working on right now? Uh, now, well, since that time, I, we, in our rock bottom moment, which, you know, is, is interesting to a lot of people it, because, you know, we are multimillionaires and living in a mansion and driving amazing cars and have this like work from home, amazing life kind of, but yet I felt I couldn't breathe. I felt completely, uh, I, I just, I couldn't watch a movie. I couldn't sit. I really, I literally couldn't. That was my own fault though. And so there just came a moment where my husband, my husband, I'm a talker, clearly. And my husband is always the kind of like, hey, if it makes you happy, it's good with me, you know? And so he never, he never put the brakes on. Not that it was his fault, but right. he just, his own childhood experience was such that you, you don't have an opinion, you know? You just don't. You're a kid and your opinion doesn't matter. So he grew up thinking, well, even if I do have an opinion, I'm not going to share it. And so when it finally just got to be too much, he just looked at me and here we were married for like whatever, uh, I don't know, at that point, however many years, maybe 12 years at that point. And he just looked at me and he's like, this, this is never going to end, is it? And I'm like, what? And he's like, just this, this it's always going to be like something else, right? I mean, like you can't stop, right? And I'm like, yes, I can. And he's like, I don't, I don't think so. And he was just, he just said, I'm, I'm not happy. And I was like, don't say that. Don't say that. Right. Like, like We're happy. Damn it. You know? yeah. <laughs> and, but I was like in shock. I'm like, well, I'm not happy. Oh, and here's the other thing is that, you know, we weren't really communicating like we were communicating, but like, I don't know. I think a lot of couples have this where like he would be in a bad mood. I'm even, I'm like as even as you'd ever meet anyone. And my husband was kind of more like this. And so I was always like trying to regulate his this. And so I noticed that he was always like in a better mood when I had a big hit. Like we, we, I'm like, look at this thing I created that we can sell. Uh, and so then I associated that same thing from a kid. Like, oh, so if, if I work harder, he's happy. Mm. And he was always thinking, well, when she's working, she's happy. So I'll just make it possible for her to work all the time. So it was like a totally, total miscommunication that almost killed us both. And then when he finally just said, like, I, I don't need any of this. I don't care. I'm like, I don't either. And I don't care. And we have to do something. And so at that point, it, I just couldn't change. I, I, was, I yeah. was the brand. I was in every single video. I choreographed every single routine. I cut up the music for every single program. It was all me, all day, all night. I designed every piece of clothing. So we had to say, how do we get out of this? 
And so we had to put together a plan to reverse engineer our all of our businesses to the point where I was no longer the face or brand. I was no longer the only employee. And so that we could position ourselves to be in a place to be um, to be sold, to be acquired. And that's what we did. It took about three or four years to do it. But we oh. we were very, very motivated to make that happen and then start from scratch. Right. So that's what I'm at. So like, you've got these workout videos and you've got these podcasts. Like it doesn't from the outside, from over here, it looks like you're still doing a whole lot of stuff. Sure, sure. Uh, so, well, so let me explain that. Let me like lift yeah. the hood, hood for yeah, you. Yeah, so, I'd love to see yeah. that engine. <laughs> okay. So a lot of what, what people see is stuff that I created years and years and years ago. You know what I mean? Like, so first of all, the, any, any fitness program that I've done requires about two weeks worth of work Yeah, years ago. That's it, yeah. you know, but still people like see it, they see it everywhere. So there's this illusion that you're like crazy, crazy busy. And they're like, right. oh, and you're writing books. I'm like, I wrote one book like five years ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, um, so, so I think here's the thing I want anyone who's an entrepreneur to take away from this is I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. So you're looking at 20 years of layers, layer upon layer, year after year of my seasons. There was a time when I was doing everything all at once. That stuff still exists. It's still out there. It's still content. You know what I mean? Yep. So it still looks like I'm everywhere. But now my, my and, I, and I still consult with Beachbody. When we sold our business, we sold to Beachbody. They acquired our apparel company, our motivational camp company, and our um, certification company. Uh, and then in addition to that, separate from that, I am a, a celebrity trainer for them. And so that's still also consultant work. It's, it's, it's minimal. Right. Um, it's minimal because I've decided for it to be minimal. So I, I decline most appearances. I, I say no to everything now. Do you ever much. have, like coming from that um, addictive workaholic mentality, do you ever experience that FOMO, fear of missing out? <laughs> Oh, sure. I, I mean, I used to. I don't now. You don't? And no, how do you, I, no, how do you... I'm enough. I'm okay. enough. I'm enough. Because fear of missing out, the only thing you will miss out on is your family and your children. And I, I'm certain that I will offend some people, but I believe there's nothing more important and you can't get that back. That if you're a mother, and this is my opinion, and it's a strong one, your job is to make sure that your children feel like they are confident, self-sufficient, and important to you. And I never want, you know, today, my workday ends at three, and it always has, even when we were crazy busy. Workday ends at three. When the kids walk through the door, I'm not Shalene Johnson. I'm mom. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so happy you're here. You know, not, shh, be quiet. Mom's on a call. Right. You know, I just, because there's other ways to do it. And when you get your priorities straight, everything falls into check. And, um, you can't do it over. And is, if you are as brilliant as you know, you are, all of those things will be there when your kids are. And I know it feels like forever. My kid, my son's 18. I'm like, what? I don't even understand how that happened. <laughs> but I, I, and I assumed when he would be 18, I'm like, I'm going to tell myself that all these opportunities are still going to be there, but I just wonder if they will. They're there times 10, you know, they still are. Right. Um, 
but you you have to, like, for example, my husband and I um, we co now now what we do by the way FYI yeah is is now we say no to everything. We both did a lot of therapy. Um, I did EMDR EMDR mm-hmm. therapy, which I think is it's fast. So entrepreneurs and people like us love it because it's fast and it's permanent. What does EMDR stand for? Um, I, I knew you might ask that. I think it's <laughs> eye movement reprocessing desensitization EM EM. Eye movement, deprocessing, and re reprocessing and desensitization, something okay. like that. <laughs> we'll look it up. We'll Google yeah. it. <laughs> you can go to emdr.org, but it's a trippy, cool kind of therapy. But um, once we decided, once we sold our businesses, we put in place a plan, like a complete plan that started with what did we want to feel each day? What did we want our this crazy, ridiculous day to look like? Like ridiculousness. And we started with that and then just said, okay, what would that take? And just reversed it. And here we are. And now all we do, all we do, uh, (laughs) I do online academies. I've got three Mm -hmm. academies, uh, Courageous Confidence, Smart Success to teach people how to do what we've we've done, and then Marketing Impact Academy, which is teaching entrepreneurs um, how to save themselves a lot of time and money and build businesses online. They're online academies. I've already created the content. I update the content maybe once a month. I film for maybe four hours um, here in my home. And uh, I have now four employees versus 90 uh, or 70 or whatever we had at our peak. Um, We are five employees, I should say. I have almost everybody else is a virtual staff member. Uh, I love the Philippines. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like most of the people that work for me are in the Philippines and they're consultants and they're awesome. But, but, my day is typically 11 or 12 till three, um, of, of work time. And, and then the rest of it's pretty yummy. You know, I say no, I say no to everything. I don't travel. I don't do appearances. doesn't matter what the price is. I mean, rarely. Well, thank you for showing up on being boss. <laughs> well, you're, you're within my time frame. It's not three o'clock. Right. And you know, it's oh. funny because my day ends at three too. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that because before I had a kid, um, whenever people would say that about your family is first, and I believe that too, but I always thought that equals be a stay-at-home mom, quit everything and be a stay-at-home mom. And what I'm realizing now for me, the way that I could be most present was to have my baby in daycare for a few hours a day so I could be, whenever I'm with work, 100% with work, right. and whenever I'm with my baby, 100% with my baby, and it's not that juggling back and forth. I know that the juggling back and forth also works for some people. Emily homeschools her kiddo. I bet I bet Lily is just off frame over there doing her letters. <laughs> right. No, yeah, not and not that. everyone has those kind of kids. Like I did not. Like my, <laughs> my kids still this day can't go to a restaurant. Like they climb all over people and they're <laughs> loud and obnoxious. But um I appreciate what you said and I think that's very true because when I, when I shared with you that very honestly, I didn't feel present is that even when I was with my kids and I was there with them, I mean, I think I would be lying if I, if I said, there's no way they didn't know, or there's no way they knew I was so distracted. They had to have, you know, and we, you can't toggle back and forth. So if you're thinking about I mean, you can only toggle. You can't do two things at once. So if you're thinking about that next email you have to write and your kid's going, mommy, 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 you really can't be present. So I, I think that's a beautiful way to do it where it's like very, very focused. And in fact, I think I've talked to a lot of people that we coach who have found that they can structure those hours where their child is with a, uh, a care provider during the time when they're typically napping. 
So yeah. they're like, they're really not missing out on that much time, you know, and, and that they're able to really be that much more present. And again, this is a very strong belief I hold for me, but I know that for some people it's, it's, they can't be a great mom because unless they're like living their purpose and in corporate America, I just recently um, interviewed um, uh, one of the a f- a former CEO of Ikea yes. and yeah, Pramil. And she, and, and she says, you know, I, I didn't want to kid myself. I just, I, I don't, I'm not cut from that cloth. My husband was home with the kids and he was so good with them, but I just could not, I couldn't be a great mom if I wasn't like living my purpose. So I, I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying for me, I had to honor what I know was right for me. And it never felt right when I was away and never, it never felt right. I felt wrong. I felt bad. I felt like this anger and resentment. And I'm like, I just, I have to honor this for me. And I think everyone needs to define set success um, on their own terms. And for me, here's how I define success. Choice, um, happiness, working with the people who I love, doing what I love, helping them do what they love, um, being able to say no, being able to change my mind midday, (laughs) you know? And so I had to get to a place where it's like, I'm okay. If I had to cancel on the two of you, which I would hate to have to do, but if I had to, because if one of my kids called and said, mom, I'm having a terrible day. Can you come pick me up at school? I would cancel with you. And I know that'd be very disappointing to you, but I can't disappoint my kids. I just can't. Right. I won't. So, so it's defining success on your own terms, but yet you have to be firm in it and realize that you you are going to lose on opportunities and other people will be receiving awards and, and doing all, and everyone will be saying to you, and it's really hard. And they're like, how come you don't do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? You just, you know, you just have to be firm in your belief. All right. Hey, you guys, I need to interrupt this episode real quick to talk about our sponsor, FreshBooks. As you know, we have a Being Boss Facebook group. And today, one of the bosses who is a freelance writer in that group said this, You guys, I have a major FreshBooks victory. A client I've worked with for nearly four years has always mailed me a check at each month, but I never knew if it would arrive on the 2nd or the 10th or get lost in the mail. Since I started using FreshBooks, they've begun to pay online, meaning I'm getting paid the same day I invoice them. They are my biggest client, so it's a huge relief. If you haven't given FreshBooks a shot, what are you waiting for? We agree. We are so grateful for our partnership with FreshBooks, and we want to thank our listeners for supporting them too. Stay on top of your business all year long with a clear picture of its financial health with with FreshBooks. Try FreshBooks for free today by going to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter beingboss in the how did you hear about us section. So, Shaleen, I've been listening to um, a few of your podcasts on The Shaleen Show and then also on Build Your Tribe. I think I also listened to an interview. Maybe you were on – were you on Lewis Howes' School of Greatness? Okay. I think I listened to that interview because he's like my guilty pleasure podcast. (laughs) I love love listening to his stuff whenever I'm working out. So um, you were talking about push goals and how you can have all these goals, um, but there's like the one thing that will help you get – everything. Can you talk a little bit about push goals and how it works? Sure. I think most people, um, especially people who would be listening to your listeners are familiar with goal setting and writing out their own goals. I think, um, you know, it's a small segment, but it's a very important segment of the population who get things done. They are boss. So they get that. So what I figured out though, is that 
setting a goal, once you set goals for yourself, it's kind of difficult sometimes to know which one to go after first. And most often we default to the one that's most important to us. And it's difficult to go after a goal that's very important to us if we're like, but how am I going to do that? You know what I mean? Like this, well, this, that's great that I want to quit my job, but how am I going to do that? So I learned that you have to set goals that make other goals happen. And they might not be as important to you, but they're more weighted. So in other words, what I teach people to do is this. Um, you take the 10 areas of your life. Do you want to do this? Yeah, let's do okay. it. Take out a pen should and paper. Should I get paper. a pen and paper? Okay. You should. You definitely should. Let me, let me do away. it on the back of my taxes over here. <laughs> <laughs> Put them to use. Right. <laughs> okay. So write down these categories. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sure this will be, these will be included in the show notes. Oh, yeah. I'll take a yes. photo. <laughs> Maybe I really okay. won't do it on my taxes then. Right. <laughs> no doubt. Hold it. Emily here for a quick edit to let you know that this upcoming exercise is, in fact, a downloadable worksheet over on our site. Head over to lovebeingboss.com and enter your name and email address, and you'll get your goal-setting worksheet straight to your inbox. Now back to the show. Okay. So number one is your um, physical health. Number two is your mental well-being, like how, how you feel mentally. Okay. Number three is your environment. Like where you hang out, like where you live. Like some people think of their environment as their home, but they're really spending 90% of their time at the office. So it's like where you spend the majority of your time or you should be spending the majority of your time. Um, Then your finances. Next is family and friends. The next category is your significant other slash love interest. The next category is career slash purpose. And then the next category is growth or getting smarter, as I like to call it. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And uh, then the ninth category is pure joy slash hobbies, like things you just do for pure joy. And then the last category is spirituality. Okay, so now very quickly, you just run down that list and um, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being perfection. I'm super happy with where things are right now. And one being I, I've missed the mark. I'm not doing well. I know I could be doing better. You give each one of these a score on based on your own definition. Like, so you might be broke and you're like, I don't care. It's good with me, you know, or maybe you, for looks, for example, for your um, love interest, you might have just broken up with like a, an awful, terribly abusive man and you're alone. And so, still give yourself a nine in that category because you're happy that you just finally got, so it's very, very individual. So you quickly give each one of these a score on a scale of one to 10. Go ahead. And do they have to be like, am I ranking them one to 10? And so they could like all be fives. Totally. Not that they are, but okay. Okay. I'm going to do this. And I just want to be clear that sometimes we feel guilty about ranking an area low, but you shouldn't. It just means that you, you want to do better there. It's important to you. Done. (laughs) It was time. All right. Me too. I'm ready too. (laughs) Done. Okay. So can you just tell me if the areas you scored the lowest are actually areas that are really kind of important to you? Yes. Yes. So my lowest is mental well-being. Ah. Because sometimes Kathleen, I feel like, are you losing it? I'm, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like when we were growing a business and like being boss and yeah. I'm a 15 month old, like, yeah, yeah I'm losing totally. it. 
Yeah. And where well, where else did you score yourself low? What's the next well, lowest? Well, you know, it's it's funny because I didn't expect this, but I was just doing it like off the cuff. Right, my as you should. environment where I hang, like I love my house, but like there. Just earlier today, I was thinking I would love to go through room by room and just like, what could I just do to this room? There are things I'm leaving unfinished. Yeah, and it's taking a back seat. And I'm a Taurus. I love my things. Yeah, and I want my <laughs> things to be a little more beautiful. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. And what did you score the highest? You know, I actually said, well, just um, my significant other. I, oh, that's good. I adore my man. I really like him. And I really like my baby. Like I would kind of consider him – well, he's friends and family. Yes. Um, and then I scored pretty high under career and growth because I yeah. feel like I'm in an upswing right. there. Right, yeah. Even though it probably lends to the number four in my mental well-being – or sorry – in Not my necessarily. Being, I gave myself a four. I think that like oh, the see. growth and the the career yes. stuff is what's making me feel a little crazy. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. And for me, let's see. My pure joy was really low, and just because I don't know what that would be right now, which is sad a little mm-hmm. bit. So I'll mm-hmm. figure that one out. Um, highest for me was significant other. Um, also, career and family and friends. Okay. Career and family and friends. That's good. And so then where was another low one? Another low one. Oh, environment. Okay. That's good. Okay, So so let's talk about environment, especially for the two of you and for people who are listening, creative types. Our environment is our mojo. And so you can just change the position of your desk and you're suddenly like, I don't feel like working. I don't, I can't think of anything creative to say. Like, I, I don't even want to sit down at this desk. And, and I think too often we feel like, well, that's a luxury. I'll fix that later. Or I don't have time to, to redecorate my office or to get a new office chair. I don't need a new office chair. I just need to sit down and work. But when you change your environment, you, you change the way you feel and you change your energy and you change the vibration and you change your mental well-being. And when you're a creative type, You need to be incredibly creative in a short chunk of time, especially if you're a parent. And so I always tell people, like, spend that money because that is an incredible investment, especially on your workplace. Your workplace should just make you feel like you want to go back in there and you love it. And it just gives you mojo and it gives you energy and it makes you feel taken care of. It's right. And so that's a really important thing. And for some people, that's their closet. Like I can just get people sometimes to just clean out your closet and spend the money on new hangers and have somebody come over. Go ahead, do it. Spend someone to come over and help you redesign your closet. And it's like, oh, like everything's right (laughs) in the world. Like when all the hangers are aligned and all the shirts are in the same color sequence. And it's just like, Yes. Look at look yeah. at me. I can take on the world today. And you, know, you know, it's so funny. I did my coaching training with Martha Beck. I don't know if you're familiar with her work at all, but she is she's done a column for Oprah and she's really amazing. And one of the tools that she shares is your living spaces. And whenever you describe like if you give someone a tour of your home, it can really indicate where issues in your life are. So if your office is a total mess or if your bedroom is neglected, what that might say about your relationship or yeah. Um, you know, if your if your office is just a pit and you feel disorganized all the time, well, yeah, probably. Yes. So it's it's funny because I know this, yet <laughs> it's so easy to. Well, the reason why I suggest that people go through this first before they set goals is this: the areas where you've scored the lowest are affecting your happiness, and they're important. 
And so when we tell people, hey, come up with a list of 10 goals, we, we automatically default to the things that you scored the highest. So you're automatically going to default to, um, you know, the, those four things you scored the highest. That's where your goals are going to be. It's going to be around career, purpose, yeah. your husband, you know, and, and then the areas where you um, are really like there's there's like in the back, you don't realize it, but it's really making you unhappy. And that's why you feel unbalanced. And you didn't set a goal for yourself related to your environment. So I start with that first so that your first two to three goals specifically target areas you scored low. So you, you can set 10 goals with just pure reckless abandonment. I don't care what they are, (laughs) any area of your life. They can all be fitness. They can all be work related. They can all be spiritual. Doesn't matter. As long as the first two or three take care of those two or three areas where you scored yourself low, then you make, you fill in the blanks for your other goals, your other complete list of 10 goals. Once you have that complete list of 10 goals, then what I ask people to do is to next to each goal, ask yourself this one question. So write this down. And what would it require to do this? And most often you can answer that with one of two words, accountability or money. Like almost everything is like, oh, I just have to force myself to do it. Or I just have to make more money to do that. Or I just need the money to make that happen. You know, just almost every goal with very rare exception falls into one of those two categories. Like I just need to do it. I need to be accountable and do it or I need the money to do it. So you take a look at that and you, and you figure out like, okay, now after you look at your list of 10 goals and you go, okay, so if I want to honor these areas where I've scored low and I see that I've got like four that I just need accountability, but I've got like six that I really, I need to be making more money. Then you, then you look at all those and go, you create what I call a very special 11th goal. And your 11th goal is, you create not just off the cuff, like the others, not like the first thing that comes to your mind, your 11th goal, you look at those other 10 and you go, what could I do that would make most of these things happen? Mm-hmm. So for me this year, um, you know, I went through my list of goals, by the way, um, I love that you said, I don't know what a pure joy goal would be for me. And a lot of people say that. And so I used to call that hobbies. And then I changed it because I really, some people even a hobby feels like pressure and stress and like, okay, now I've got to go snowboarding and that costs a lot of money and a lot of time. And, and I just want people like, think of the last time it was just, you were just like, Oh, this is so yummy. I wish I, I wish I didn't have to leave or I wish this would never end. For example, um, one of my clients shared with me that her pure joy goal was to have somebody blow dry her hair once a week. She's like, it's just, it's pure joy to have someone else Below, and she's like, and I really can't call that a hobby, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. But she's like, but it's it's such joy. I I'm relaxed. I can actually like, it's just it's joy, and I don't even know how to describe it. And you've finally just given me permission to set a goal to have my hair blow dried once a week, you know. So whatever crazy thing it is, maybe, and, and you shouldn't have any guilt associated with it because there is no objective other than just this feels good, you know. Of course, it shouldn't be illegal or immoral, but. You know, if you want to binge watch your reality TV all day Saturday once a month and that's pure joy for you, go for it. If you want to just, you know, whatever. It just is pure joy. So for me, I set uh, a pure joy goal once a quarter uh, to do a girl's trip. And that's like really hard for me because I feel like weird when I'm away from my family. 
But if I'm with the right girls and we're like doing something like, like this year, I took a mall snowboarding to Utah and um, that was like pure joy. Just like only funny girls could go. Like yep. you have to have a sense, you have to be a sense, have a sense of humor and you can't think you're all that. And if, <laughs> and, and if you're fun and you don't, and you're okay with not showering for three days and sitting around in our sweats and like eating and snowboarding, <laughs> come on with me, you know? And it was pure joy, pure joy. Oh, uh, I like I that. that. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna work on my pure joy one. Yeah. That's, so, that's but just don't going. think it's like supposed to be something super special. It's just like right. just be, take notice the next time you're like, this feels really good. Yeah. You know. Um, so, anyways, you look at all your goals, and then you go. So, for me, one of my goals was a pure joy, and the other one was I wanted to help people this year. Instead of making it my focus to help them build their business, I wanted to help people build their confidence. So that was one of my goals. And then I set a goal to take two solid months off like, and do nothing. And I nice. did that last year. Last year I took off all of December and I stayed home without a plan, like not to go somewhere, but like just do nothing. And um, it was, I, I know it's going to sound weird, but my like two days into the month, my girlfriend was in a horrible fire and, and she ended up in the burn unit and she almost died. And thank God I had set that goal because I, I was able to stay at her bedside 24-7. And I just kept thinking, like, I can't believe what a gift this is that I get to do this. And she'd go, you can go. You can go. You don't have to be here. I'm like, this is the funnest thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds so weird. She's but like, just like, to have, thanks. <laughs> she totally got it. But, like, just to, like, be able to hold a friend's hand yeah. and say, I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to cancel anything. I don't have to do anything. Like, yeah. you know, just to let God's will take over. And that's what. And I was just like, that was the most rewarding month of my year. So I'm gonna, I, I want two of those next year. So I'm going to take two months off. So then I look at all these things. I'm like, dang, I got to make a lot more money to take two months off. And most of my accountability is with regard to not working more. So how do I do that? Like, how do I make more money and not work more? And so I created a program where I wouldn't have to do a live seminar. It would all be online. And I created a new program that was like a, at a better entry level price point for my customers. And I created the Courageous Confidence Club and just made it my goal. My push goal was to have 10,000 people um, become a part of that club. And we're like, we're way past that mark. Oh, but, well, congrats. Thank you. But Can that, we- that, what, go ahead. I was just going to ask you if we could talk a little bit about confidence. Emily, yeah. Emily and I were chatting the other day, um, you know, off, off air. And we were like, what is it like for creatives? Like what could we all use a little bit more of to make our lives better? And it boiled it down to us to confidence. Yeah. Um, so that's a huge, that's been on my mind and on my heart a lot lately is confidence. And how do I help other people get more of it? I feel like I don't know if it's the way I was raised or if I was just born with it, but I just don't feel very afraid all the time. But I feel like it's something a lot of people struggle with is this fear and lack of confidence. And so I want to ask you, what do you think, how would you define confidence? Like, what is it and where do you get it from? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is, it is a muscle and it is an energy. And so, you know, you said, are you born with it? I think I think we all were born with confidence. I think is, you know, you, you probably have friends who have twins or triplets yep. and they're all so different, you know? So you can see that there's a component of it that is rearing and a part of it that's just DNA. Nonetheless, all of us just like strength. You know, some people are born 
genetically a little stronger, but we can all develop strength and we can all develop skills and confidence is a skill. So it's practicing the right exercises that make you stronger and avoiding the things that make you weaker, which sometimes are people, our habits, conversations in our head. And, and the things that make you weaker physically are to not go to the gym. That's going to make your muscles atrophy and that makes you weaker. And what's interesting when it comes to confidence is the thing that makes you weaker is to not go and do it. Because when you go and do it, that actually makes you stronger. And so you want to think about every time you stop yourself from doing something, you're actually atrophying your confidence muscle. Yeah. So I walk people through, um, you know, it's a, I've built a program for confidence that feels very much the way I've created exercise programs where you know, there's the first week where you don't want people to be so sore and so freaked out that they won't do it the next week, but they have a little bit of like, oh, okay, I feel good. I'm looking good. And I teach a lot of people about self-awareness, what it means to be an introvert or an extrovert and how both of those things are awesome. But what's not awesome is to be outwardly shy as an adult. Um, whether you are or are not, it, it just doesn't help. It doesn't help you and it doesn't help anybody else. It's okay to be an introvert. It's okay to be an extrovert. But to be shy is a label that we give children that makes us like, oh, oh, she's shy. You know, it's like a label that we carry and, and we'll say, oh, this, this, is my, this is my crazy one and this is our shy one. Right. And when someone hears like, this is our shy one, then everyone goes, oh, and it's cute for like a three-year-old. But if you, if I told you, hey, I'm about to introduce you to my really shy friend, she's really shy. You're already feeling uncomfortable. Right. right. So I think the most important thing to, to know about being shy is that nobody wants to make other people feel uncomfortable. And so I teach people ways to overcome shyness because it doesn't help you and it doesn't help other people. And it's, it's limiting your greatness. So it's recognizing the things that make you come across shy that you you're doing unknowingly. And I'm not going to ask you to be like, Hey, I, now I'm the life of the party. Like, I'm not, <laughs> right. yeah, like that person's kind of obnoxious. And I don't think that person's confident anyways. Right. Like there's people who are like, they're so obnoxious that you're like, you're covering up something. Yeah. But I do think it's, I think confidence is to have belief that you are enough. Confidence is a quiet comfortableness that makes other people feel safe around you, feel noticed, feel taken care of. Confidence is the person who makes you feel like um, they have your back, that you're, you're, you're in good hands, that they care, that they listen. You know, it's not the things that you would think of like, oh, confidence is the person who's the speaker on the stage. It's it's just quiet confidence is the best kind of confidence and to you have. Know what I love about hearing that is that it's not about you and it's not about what you're putting out there. It's about what you can do for other people and how you can make other people feel. And I think that that would make people who are scared of the idea of showing up and being seen, stop thinking about yourself and just think about the person that you're talking to and how yeah. they're feeling. Exactly. And you know, I want to, I want to retract what I said earlier. Cause I was like, I'm just not afraid. That's not true. I can like walk into a room or get on stage and totally feel some fear. And one of the things I've talked about is I pretend like I have a taxi light on my head and I don't have to do anything else but turn on that light. You know, I don't have to think about making eye contact and I don't have to think about standing up straight and kind of the typical confidence things. All I have to do is imagine that I'm turning on that taxi light 
and just walk into the room and, yeah. and set that intention really more yeah. than anything. But um, that's my own little trick for confidence. I think that's I think that's very true. And and I love what you just said that like I don't have fear. I think what you meant was I have I don't let fear stop me. It, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. I feel the same way. And I and then what you learn and what I teach in the club is that it becomes addicting because you're like, hey, I didn't die. Yeah. You know, and you're like, and this is, that was, it's like when you, I don't know if you've ever jumped off of something really high. I just bet that you have. I've done skydiving. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you know that feeling, like just before you jump, you're like, why am I doing this? Right. And then you're like, just do it. And then when you do it, you're like, as you're like going down, you're like, this is so crazy. And I want to do it again. You know, it's like there's fear, but then you realize like I didn't die yeah. and that was fun and I wasn't that good, but I bet I will be better the next time. And then you just, you know, I, I teach people how to get addicted to that because once you realize like, hey, it just keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And then, you know, what you said is like, I have no fear. You almost forget that you have it right. because it's, it's that thing that actually actually pushes you out the door of the airplane is fear because now you rely upon it like fuel. And that's how I feel too. Like I, I've got lots of fear, but I never let it stop me. I love fear. I love putting myself in situations where I'm like, I've never done this before. It's freaking me out. And that's why I know I need to do it. And that's probably what turned you into a workaholic though. So like, when do you? Um, yeah, but def no, I don't know if it turned me into a workaholic, but it definitely is. Um, it's the advantage for an entrepreneur who doesn't fear judgment or fear making a mistake. I never, ever in my whole life have ever feared making a mistake. So I, I put a lot of crappy stuff out there and fix it later. I mean, that's just my rule. Like my first exercise video, if you can find them, I will pay you whatever it takes not to show them to anyone. <laughs> I will find you and I will cut you. Like Everything I do is like ridiculously awful the first time, but I don't care. I just, I want to just get it over with and then fix it later. Like everything name something. <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I don't it. know where that came from. Um, I guess my parents aren't perfectionists, but I just see perfectionism as um, one of the worst fears to have because you just, you're never going to, you're never going to be perfect. Even when it is perfect, it won't be perfect, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, Definitely. we're nearing our end of our session. So um, just one last question. And that is like, just maybe you've given us lots of great advice and insights and tips, but is there anything else that you can recommend for our listeners to just be boss? Like what would you, what would you tell them? Gosh, to pick one, I would say that, um, there's nothing more valuable than a really good coach, you know, invest in a mentor or a coach who, but, but look, but look at them. And look at their life and ask yourself, do I want that? Like, for example, I'm not going to work with a mentor who's had tremendous success and has blown through four wives, you know, and you know, I just, that, that's, you know, I don't know if I want those practices. So you, I, for me personally, when I look at a mentor, I want to look at every part of their life. Do I agree with their spirituality? Do I agree with their, and I know people will disagree with me and say, well, you know, when you pick a mentor, you, you know, you got to kind of look at just what they do in business. I, I don't think so. Cause I, I don't know how to separate who I am as a person, um, when I'm in business versus when I'm dealing with my kids. So when I look at mentors, I, I really want to know, like, are they a good person? Not, are they great at marketing? What's their relationships like? How's their spirituality? Do their kids hate them? You know, like, you like, <sighs> these things are important to me. And so choose slowly, carefully, and then that investment will have a great return for you because a great mentor and a great coach will help you be boss 
in a much faster, more effective, even more cost-effective way than you could ever figure out on your own. I agree. Amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Shalene. Emily here. Are you interested in getting coached by Kathleen and me for four weeks? Well, Kathleen and I have huddled together and bundled up Kathleen's DIY Coaching for Creatives email subscription with my Get Your Shit Together email subscription for a jam-packed subscription bundle spilling a ton of our best tips, tricks, tactics, and even worksheets into 22 emails that will land in your inbox over the course of four weeks. We created our subscriptions to help aspiring entrepreneurs live the creative life that they want, which will make building your business all the easier. Find out more at lovebeingboss.com slash bundle. And did you know that you can get exclusive secret episodes of Being Boss over on our website? Check us out at lovebeingboss.com and enter your name and email to receive a download link straight to your inbox. As a recording date for this podcast, our first secret episode, Cultivating Confidence, has been released. And we'll be releasing new secret episodes to our subscribers only each quarter. Download yours now and get in on the secrets at lovebeingboss.com. And finally, thank you very much for listening to Being Boss from Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Find show notes for this episode at, you guessed it, lovebeingboss.com. You can listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you like our podcast, show us some love by reviewing Being Boss on iTunes and sharing it with a friend. Do the work. Be boss, and we'll see you next week. Been super fun, ladies. I really do appreciate what you're doing. You guys have a great show. It's awesome. Oh, thank you right, so thank much. Thank you. And it's it's been a pleasure pleasure meeting you as well. You are definitely you are actually like very top of our like being lost <laughs> being boss dream list. I know. You really, really were. So thank you so much for coming Wait, on. Wait, who else dream is on country. that list? Well, just, you know, just, I mean, <laughs> but talk about like picking picking goals and like writing things down. We wrote a list. It's called our hot shit two hundred. <laughs> and it's like two hundred people that we think are just hot shit and you are on that list. Oh my god. Yes. I'm so honored. Can you tweet that? <laughs> yes, yeah, I'll definitely. Tweet it. All funny. over. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you want us to do like a little asterisk in the customer? No, put okay, it out we can there. say it. Okay. Totally. Yeah, we have a little like E next to our podcast because we cuss sometimes. Oh, jeez. I listen, my husband's a football coach. It's like I live like with truckers. It's right. crazy. Good. Good. Yeah. F bombs right. are flying around. <laughs>